Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to Inside Strategic Coach with Dan Sullivan. Dan, we've been having a ton of fun doing a deep dive into the Scary Time Success Manual, and we're actually at the conclusion of the entire series. And I'm excited about this one because what you've talked about here is that this really is your best growth ever and out of scary times, which is such a transformational and transformative way to think about it. So what does it mean out of scary times to have your best growth ever? First of all, I think to come to that conclusion, you have to have treated it you know, as a jump forward rather than a setback. So Mm -hmm. that's just the idea. People say, yeah, you know, we were really restricted here and we were really prevented here and we were really blocked off here. Mm -hmm. And technically that's true, but I think that from a standpoint of intentions, I think from the standpoint of strategies, and I think from the standpoint of developing new capabilities, It's actually been one of the most rapid growth periods, personally, of my entire life. And I think totally as a team for the strategic coach company and talking to hundreds and hundreds of our clients, they have all taken the same approach. I can recall conversations of individuals saying, I'm making so many improvements so fast. I hope this doesn't end too soon, which is really interesting. That's totally the opposite of the public media narrative about this terrible thing, you know, how much ground we've lost, will we ever come back? You know, this is the end of a whole way of life and everything. And I said, well, you know, it's a choice of how you want to look at it. I mean, primarily, it's a mindset. You have a choice whether it's going to be the best ever thing that happened to you, or you're going to choose that it's the worst thing that ever happened to you. And it's a choice. I think each individual is kind of on his or her own. It's a really good point, Dan. And you really talk about, you know, a couple of key factors here. are How can you be increasingly useful to other people Mm -hmm. and how to transform what is a really abnormal time, which is a great description. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's not normal. That's not a super judgmental term, but you talk about transforming it into a special time. Mm -hmm. And I like that flip. I really appreciate that different perspective, but it is 100% a mindset. And how you've been useful to yourself and others, I think, is definitely going to be how people are going to come out of it better or not. Yes. And, you know, I've talked, you know, over my lifetime, and I'm in my eighth decade now. Mm-hmm. And so I can uh, recall dozens and dozens of individuals who were in, uh, you know, emergency situations, disaster situations, you know, other epidemic situations, including the biggest, which was the Spanish flu epidemic of basically 1918 to 1921. And one third of the entire world population at that time, there were 1.5 billion humans right around 1920. And one third of them, 500 million people had caught the Spanish flu. And a tenth of those, 50 million by conservative measurements, 50 million of them died. Well, you know, that's really a major, major scary situation. We're not going through anything comparable. First of all, the numbers aren't anything comparable, but we're doing it in a population that is five and a half times bigger than it was in 1920. So Mm -hmm. it's a sense of perspective. The difference is that we have news 24-7 news everywhere in the world today. So the drama of it gets multiplied 
by a factor of a million in social media, which is another multiplying factor. So the talking about it and being bombarded by people who are scared, people who are worried, people who are complaining, people who are criticizing, people who are blaming is probably a million times what it was in a previous scary times. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what a lot of the news narrative has been. As you mentioned, that's what we're listening to. Mm-hmm. I'm not. But on the internet, I can see how it's being talked about. I have not been live with broadcasts. I've bypassed that whole experience. But people are telling me, you know, and I can tell certain individuals when I talk to them, they're being affected by it or the people that they're living with or the people that they're talking to every day are being affected by the negative news media. Dan, it also strikes me that people are being affected by news in ways that they can't actually be effective about. So they're being impacted, Mm -hmm. but it's this incoming stress, but there's no way to relieve it because there isn't an action they can take to help someone, you know, across the country. It's interesting. I had a couple different conversations in some stores that I was in. And fortunately, so not to take away from anyone who has experienced this, but none of us, several of them have known anyone personally in our geographic area that has COVID. It's mm-hmm. a really interesting circumstance. So it's something you hear about, but it's not anything you're actually, for many people, not everyone, not actually experiencing, which is there's a bit of a weird disconnect there. Mm-hmm. So you're at the effect of all of these changes and all these abnormal ways of operating. And yet people have to really decide how they can be effective and live their life the way that's really constructive. Yeah, well, I think you know what you just said is the whole intention of this entire Scary Times series, the 10 strategies, effective and constructive. You know, you use the words effective and constructive, and I think that goes right to the heart of what you can choose to do. So again, I come back to this. This is all choice. I can choose to experience this and process this in a very, very effective and constructive way And if I do that, then I can disregard a lot of the other buzz that's going on about this. And I can be a kind of a counter, I can be a counter force in the world against the negative. Mm -hmm. And Dan, one of the ways you talk about this, so it's really about becoming a better collaborator and contributor. Mm -hmm. That really is the goal. And even if someone, when you're listening to this, has been sort of on the complaining, upset at the effect of side of things. There's a huge opportunity here to be a much better, as you said, contributor and collaborator. And I like that when we get through the strategies, you really talk about, you know, how to flip that around and how to really look at this time. And I do start to see little seedlings of ideas where people are like, oh yeah, I'm not gonna go back to it the way things were before. There's some precious moments in here. There's time with my family or, oh, I'm actually enjoying not having to travel. I was thinking this morning in preparation for today that, you know, we've all been forced off the hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. And some people aren't getting on. Back mm-hmm. on. <laughs> or it's not going to be going as fast, or it's going to be a different one. Thank you very much. You know, people have a real choice now. They're being forced to pause and forced to think and reflect, maybe not by choice at the beginning, but now there's a real opportunity to transform their experience, which of course is something that you've always been about. So mm-hmm. this is a very interesting snapshot in time. And I, like you, think there's a massive opportunity here. You know, whether you go through this whole experience and you take the route that we 
we're suggesting with our strategies here, or you go through this whole experience and you do just the opposite and you've been miserable. What's true about both of you is that you just went through the whole experience. Very true, Dan. (laughs) I mean, the people who are hating this are still going through the same experience. I happen to be enjoying the challenge to flip everything from the negative to the positive. But the amount of time that both of us are spending in the experience is absolutely equal. I really like what you just said, Dan, enjoying the challenge of flipping that experience. So that's how you're looking at it. It's a challenge. You got disrupted as much as anybody, probably in some cases more than others. But for you, it's an ongoing daily thing to say, okay, how can I turn this around? Is that how you're looking at it? Yep. Yeah. Well, it is. You know, I'm not in control of events outside of myself. And I think that to a certain extent, a lot of people who are shocked in a negative way and they haven't recovered from it thought they were in control or somebody was in control. I don't know how long ago that I stopped believing that there was anyone really in control of surprise event. I don't think anyone's in control of surprise event because if you were in control, it would not have happened, you know, so the the fact that it was surprising and it shocked us means that your belief about being in control was deficient. You're not really in control, you know, and I think maybe it has to go along with the what's required to be an entrepreneur that you really, really have to give up investing any energy, time, effort into controlling things that you can't be in control of, like the economy. You can't be in control of the economy. You can't be in control of the weather. You can't be in control of all sorts of factors. So I think the people who have responded best and quickest to this particular scary times had a very, very minimal belief in that they were actually control of events outside of themselves. And I think that probably that had been for many years. That's like the one major mindset shift is so perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, something just happened that I'm not in control of. Well, you just flip back. Well, what was happening yesterday? You weren't in control of either. (laughs) It's just that it was considered normal that it happened over and over again. It felt like normal, but you weren't in control of it. But There is an area of your experience that you can be increasingly in control of, and that's your response. Mm -hmm. So anything that happens, I can very quickly establish a new framework, a new mindset, a new intention. I can commit myself in a new way. I can muster up new courage on the path to developing new capability. And guess what? I have a full expectation that By doing this, then in a very short period of time, not only will I be as confident as I was when things were just normal, my confidence is actually going to be greater. So that's been a real product that at the end of a couple months of this experience, my confidence is way higher about a lot of things than it was two months ago. So that's a real gain. That's a real gain. I have capabilities now that I didn't have two months ago that will now become normal capabilities. I have a confidence that's much higher than it was two months ago, and that now becomes a normal confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just such a fun way to conclude, you know, the whole conversation, and it turns out it's also a book, which is really cool. You know, it's that mindset shift of looking at it's, it's a challenge. How can I transform it? But the fact that you have been strengthening and building these entrepreneurial muscles for so long 
and recognize that you can't control external circumstances. You can only really control your own responses to them. And then, you know, making that commitment, going through those periods of courage, you know, building up those capabilities, which leads you to a higher level of confidence, our four C's formula. It's so fun to see it in action in such a compressed, powerful way. And it's something that all entrepreneurs have, you know, or really minded people, let me put it that way, is that ability to just stop blaming external events and focus on what you can take action on and what you can control, which is, of course, yourself and your response. So this is just a great perspective for life, I think, much less our current scary times. Yeah, very, very definitely. And actually, you know, I'm saying I wonder how much of the way I've been operating for two months can just become my daily approach. And, you know, there's going to be a point where it's considered, you know, the words back to normal will be there. But so much has changed that it's not the normal Mm -hmm. that was operating before this happened. A lot of things have changed. You know, mindsets have changed. Communication has changed. Teamwork has changed. Some things have been eliminated that were thought important, but you've seen that they're not important. One of them being travel. I think that people are going to have much, much higher standards for judging the importance of something that they are being asked to travel for. Yeah. You know, and they'll say, nah. I can do that on Skype. We don't have to travel. So, you know, some of the greatest investors are divesting themselves of all transportation stocks. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that kind of tells you, they say, you know, there's going to be a totally different attitude towards flying. There's going to be a totally different attitude towards driving. How that shakes out, I don't know, but there is going to be a change. If things are being looked at differently, they're going to be acted out differently. Then That's pretty straightforward. Great. Oh, Dan, this is exciting. Very happy to be in the scary times with you. (laughs) All right. So let's get into our strategies here, Dan, because I think these are pretty magical. Mm -hmm. You talk about the scary times trick. So talk about that because I think that's a really, it is a trick, but it's a fun way to talk about it. Well, it's kind of funny because right from the beginning, each strategy has got two verbs. One of them is forget about this focus on this. So all 10 of our strategies are forget and focus. What we're asking people to do essentially is forget about how things are for you and focus on being useful in some way, focus on some sort of improvement. And the trick in this, the scary times, is we're asking you not to think about yourself, but in the end, you get a lot better. Right. So the main beneficiary of your forgetting about yourself is that yourself gets better. (laughs) Well said. Yeah. Well, I said, well, that's a trick, you know, and it was kind of funny because I was the author of this close to 20 years ago. And, you know, I zipped it out really fast. I remember, I think I wrote the whole piece in maybe less than a day of Mm -hmm. total time. And then it went out to the world and then seemed to have a, very powerful impact on a lot of people. So I was revisiting it for the second time because we had the big economic downturn in 08, 09. I don't even know if we tweaked it at all or altered it. It just went out the way it is. And then Bab said, oh, we got to pull that out again. This is going to be very valuable. And then you and I, in just turning it into a podcast, we discovered that, gee, we could go 
far, far more deeply into each of these strategies. And, you know, I was just going through the work of creating, you know, the work that we use in our podcast to sort of guide our thoughts. And I said, you know, it's kind of a trick. The scary times theme is really, really a trick, you know. At the end of it, it's not scary times at all. It's actually exciting times, growth times, breakthrough times. And here we're saying, forget about yourself, but you're the one that gets bigger and better. I said, oh, this is really, really an interesting trick that we've pulled off here. It's a brilliant trick. And I love it because by focusing on something else, you get the benefit, but it's a byproduct you know, what you call a strategic byproduct. And it's interesting because if you just focus on yourself, you probably would go down a bit of a deep hole, given all the external narrative going on. But when you focus on somebody else, as you said, as the byproduct, you're the one who benefits. So you get the result you want by not going at it directly, which yeah. I find fascinating. Yeah, and I think the thing we are, instead of being a reactor 10 different ways, we're asking you to be a responder 10 different ways. So I think that's the really switch, that humans in a reactionary fold, it's not good for them. They never get better by reacting. They always get better by responding because they're conscious in the response. They're just almost knee-jerk in a reaction. They feel defensive. They feel victimized when you're in a reactive mode. But when you're in a responding mode, you have a sense that you're in charge. When you're not in control, then be in charge. So my feeling is I could give up all thoughts about being in control and just be in charge with the 10 strategies here. And the big thing is useful. I'm being useful to other people. I'm being useful to situations. I'm being useful to myself. I'm being useful to circumstances. And I think my main word through this is this is a chance to become incredibly more useful the most useful you've ever been in your entire life. I think that's a neat thing. It's a very neat thing. And normal times don't give you the same opportunity to be useful. Dan, I think that's a really key point. Normal times don't give you as much opportunity to be useful. In emergencies or, you know, responding situations, we've had this amazing, for me, it's been really fun, actually, to think of all the new, cool, fun things we could do that are outside the norm. Because otherwise, things have been going along in their little routine ruts develop habitual ways of doing things and this was a chance to kind of pop out and do something different so yeah and much more useful because more people need help more people need to be reached out to so i think that focus on others is an incredibly creative opportunity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the other thing the usefulness usually is not just yourself being useful but you're being useful in teams so Mm. it's useful teamwork it's useful collaboration And you're tending to create new things, so it's sort of creative collaboration. I see all sorts of new kinds of cooperation being created, which are not going to be forgotten. They're not going to be neglected afterwards, because what was achieved in response to an emergency, people were challenged because the way they did things before, you know, either wasn't possible or it wasn't effective, so they had to jump to a new level of collaboration. And having experienced that, I don't think anybody will be tempted to go back to the way they worked with being less useful and less cooperative. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's another place where standards have probably increased. 
you know, you were talking about traveling, and I think people will be much more certain. And I think, you know, the people with whom it was fun and easy and productive to creatively collaborate with, that's, as you said, going to be memorable. And that's kind of a new standard now. Mm-hmm. You know, and the people that were not easy to, less reason to, you know, kind of focus your attention in that area. So there really is sort of an interesting upgrading, I think, that's happening in more than one way. I've always been interested in what happened after the Second World War because I was born within the, you know, kind of the last year of the war. I was born in 1944. I remember going to college in the 60s and talking to the professors who had been there for maybe 20 or 30 years. And I said, you know, when was this college at its best? You know, and we talked about it. And then I started looking at records in the libraries. I just got excited. You know, there's sort of things called golden ages of institutions, you know, when they have a memory, you know. We've always been good, but there was this period when things were really great. And it seems to be that every university and college in the United States that existed in the late 1940s and still exists, that the very, very best period when they were, everybody felt, you know, we've got the most excitement on campus, we've got the best students we've ever had, was from around 1946 to 1952. It's when, well, first of all, there were 12 million men and women fought in the war, and then there were people who were killed, and there were people who were injured, but they had a probably the most powerful piece of social legislation in the history of the United States was called the GI Bill. And the Mm -hmm. GI Bill did two things. One is it more or less gave you either free or low-cost college education, could be technical school education Mm -hmm. when you came back from the Second World War. This had never happened before. And the other thing is you were given very, very low-cost home loans. Mm -hmm. So... The vast majority of soldiers, you know, airmen in the Navy also, who went to the Second World War didn't have any college education because very few people went to college at the beginning of the, you know, all during the war period. Very, very few people ever went to college. Graduating from high school was the big deal. Mm -hmm. That was the big deal. And here they came back and they ordinarily would have gone back into factories or they would have gone back into jobs they had before or there wouldn't have been jobs so they would have been unemployed they came back and they went to four years three years you know whatever it was so here they were they had been at the front lines of combat and they were in classrooms with 18 year olds or 19 year olds who had not fought in the war and i have to tell you whose intention ruled the classroom You know, it wasn't the 18 and 19-year-olds. It was the 22, 23, 24, sometimes older, 25, right up to Mm -hmm. the 30-year-old who had this four years of education from them. Probably the professors really had to scramble to keep up with them. You know, like, I bet it was the most demanding six years of student body in the history of U.S. higher education. And the reason was that they survived the war and they had this phenomenal experience. And probably all during the war, they said, I just hope I don't get killed because when I go back, I'm going to do this and this and this. And the U.S. economy for the next 25 years just went right through the roof. And I think it was just this 
massive buildup of capability and confidence that these men and women had received, you know, from the experience of having to respond to a perpetually, what was probably perpetually scary times where people could get killed around them. Any day they were in combat, they could be the one who didn't come out alive and everything else. And remember, before the Second World War, these, you know, children and adolescents, a lot of them had gone through the Great Depression. So so they probably had about 15-year period when it was all scary times. Yeah, what a contrast. And it really did kick off the whole sense of abundance in the golden age of the U.S. with technology. And also, it totally changed the whole education expectations, as you mentioned. So whereas high school used to be the thing, then it was college, and then home ownership was another really big deal, especially in cities outside of farms. So yeah, it really transformed so much in such a short period of time. So that's interesting. I love that you were curious and went back to see when the golden age was for universities. That's how your brain works. <laughs> Well, big events have big impacts. And Mm. the most important impact is how individuals themselves actually respond because there's no rule, you know, there's no general rule to follow when something new, big, and different impacts how you're going to respond to it. Every individual has to decide how to do this. But there very clearly is a line between reacting negatively and responding creatively. As I was looking through this, Shannon, that I really find, for me, everything has lightened up. Mm. It's kind of lightened up. And I was thinking about the word lighten because it has two meanings. One of the lighten is that you throw light on, you know, you're enlightened. That which, you know, was not noticeable becomes very, very sharply noticeable. And, you know, where things might have been confusing, things might have been complicated, suddenly things seem very, very clear, very, very straightforward. Mm -hmm. So that's one explanation of the word lighten up. But the other one is that you eliminate a lot of non-essential baggage. You know, like you lighten up, you're not carrying as much stuff from the past that you've determined during the scary times, you know, I shouldn't be even thinking about this. I shouldn't even be doing this. I should just eliminate it. And, you know, I bet a lot of people have cleaned up. You know, we talked about this in in one of our previous strategies about doing cleanups, you know, uncomplicating things, making things more simple, getting rid of clutter in your life. I'm really experiencing there's a lightening up. People are lighter. They're lighter and leaner coming out of the scary times. Well, it's true. There's a couple things I've experienced lately that totally connect to that. One is walking in our laneway because we have parking in our back of where we live. Clearly, people have been cleaning out their homes <laughs> because garbage day is pretty full of the back there. It's kind of funny, just extra, extra, extra amounts of stuff. And then I read a really interesting article by someone who had COVID and studies viruses, including Ebola. And his conclusion was, oh, this it finally may have gotten to me. But he kind of said almost exactly the same sentiment, Dan, that he still cares very deeply about certain things, but other stuff, he just doesn't care at all about those and won't engage with them anymore. So it's really this idea of just letting go of stuff that used to irritate him, used to trouble or irk, doesn't matter anymore, and now just to focus on the things that actually are important. And I think the dividing line's a little clearer for a lot of folks than it was before. Yeah. Well, the other thing, you know, that's happened where we're much better off, Shannon, is that you and I have created a major knowledge product. 
yes. out of this experience. And I said, what a neat treat that you and I, during the entire time when we were actually experiencing scary times, we were actually able to take our experiences and actually transform them into printed words, into audio recordings, video recordings, and then uh-huh. even further into actual thinking exercises that we had no idea of before this whole process started. And we will have, you know, 10 thinking processes to go along with 10 strategies. And my final point here is that the next time a scary times happens, and scary times, as far as I can tell from the beginning of history, scary times are a constant companion of human life. And yes. Either on the individual level, the family level, the community level. Mm-hmm. So... The whole point is to consider scary times as normal. Yeah. Scary times are not abnormal. Scary times are a normal part of human life and totally on the individual level. And then it can get bigger. It can be on the community. It can be on the nation level. It can be on the world level. And this was one that was kind of on the world level. But because you went through this one and you now have 10 strategies, you'll be better prepared. So I was thinking, you know, if we had had what we created here at the end of two months, but we actually had access to this before it ever started, I think all of us would have, in a moment's notice, we would have clicked into Scary Times strategies. So I could think with the books that we have and the audio recordings we have, the moment something even looked like this. And I think that we would say, it looks like a scary times is coming. Looks like, have you been reading that? You know, it's not here yet, but looks like there's a possibility that we're going to have a scary time. So we'd say, okay, let's start the discussion groups. Let's break into discussion groups. We could have taken our entire company, put them in breakout groups. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we could have taken each strategy and talked it through and then come back and everybody talked about it. So the next time that we have a scary times that would be experienced on a company level or on a client-based level, okay, everybody break out the scary times success manual. We're mm-hmm. going to start the process. Every couple of days, we're going to go through one of the strategies. So that's what I'm seeing here is that we've yeah. actually armed ourselves here. We've actually created a psychological, emotional vaccine here with the scary times success manual i love that psychological and emotional vaccine yes intellectual too i mean yeah well and i think also i'm a big believer in a strong immune system and i know your thinking and mind has a ton to do with that so i actually think it has some physical benefits too i'm sure someone else will have to prove that but that's really powerful dan because You're right. I mean, these are scary times. And this is something, if entrepreneurs kind of sign up for this, we've talked about that earlier. Most of humanity does not sign up to be an entrepreneur. That's something that a few people choose to cross what we call the risk line into the results-based economy from time and effort. But, you know, this is something we've all had to go through. So the more we've all had to build some scary times muscles, some people have that habit more than others. But I feel like this has now equipped me, it's equipped, you know, our team and our clients and everyone else in our greater strategic coach community, anyone listening to this, with another way to think about things. What an incredible, incredible byproduct to come out of this whole event with is this amazing capability. And the big, what you were saying is like, it's actually to recognize that this is a scary time. Mm-hmm. When you have the name, which is fun calling it that because it's like scary time sounds, I don't know. 
it's accessible for everybody. It's like, oh, okay, this is a scary time. Oh, I got a tool for that. I've got a thinking process for that. Whereas if you're just not classifying or not quantifying it, you may not engage with the strategies right away. Yeah. Well, it is a success manual. So it's a success manual for a certain human circumstance, which is called scary times. You know, not everybody signs up to be an entrepreneur, but the moment you're born, you've been signed up to have scary times. So, you know, to be human is to have scary times. So Uh my feeling is this seems to be a companion. This is a companion piece to being human. Which I love. (laughs) So Dan, just let me summarize the last kind of five things that we've talked about. So you talked about the scary times trick, which is that by forgetting about yourself and focusing on others or how to be useful, you actually get the byproducts of that. Really focusing on first to be more useful, which I think is always, again, that's the way to take focus off yourself. And then to be collaboratively creative, and that's how to be a responder rather than a reactor. And that really everything lightens up, which is, I think that clarity is really a fun kind of way to think about this. And then that we're now prepared and stronger, and we've built some muscles to help us handle this even better next time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you take a look at the title, which is your best growth ever, that's exactly what this whole scary times process has led us to is that, in fact, scary times are now prime growth opportunity times, whereas before it might have been something to avoid. So that's a major transformation. So thank you, Dan. My (laughs) pleasure, Shannon. That's been a treat. It really has been, Dan. And being able to, and I've told you this before, but to my mind, you know, looking forward to when we had these recordings booked and knowing that I was going to have the access to your thinking about it has helped me deal with this very differently than some other people I know. And I am incredibly grateful for that because you're someone, I think you've exercised these muscles of scary times throughout your whole life. And it just completely came to bear. As I've said before, you've transformed your thinking faster than any other human I know. And I feel like I just got to, you know, join you for the ride, which has been completely enjoyable. But I know a ton of other people have shared with us the Scary Time Success Manual and how they put it up as soon as this happened and they read it every day or they've listened to our podcast or watched the videos and how many other people have been able to provide that different mindset, that kind of growth mindset to both their families and to their communities and to their teams and then to their clientele, how it's helped them personally and that how it's really helped them and the people that they impact their audiences. So thanks for being you and thanks for looking at this as a challenge mm-hmm. and a new opportunity because that's helped the rest of us do this too. Appreciate it very much, Shannon. That's great. Mm-hmm.